This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, David with a long last name. Um, He is born. We've come to a very special time of our breakfast show that we're doing this week, which is uh, our week of prayer for rain. And so once Mm. again, we're going to take a moment to pause and to spend some time just praying for rain, praying for our farmers, praying for uh, people who are suffering with depression, praying for our cities and our towns, particularly those that have run out of water. Um, praying for our fireys and for the bushfires that are devouring our our country right now, that they uh, that, that those will will um, will be able to get those under control. And so, yeah, it's a critical time for our country. And Dr. Sven Erstring is joining us here in the studio this morning. He is going to lead us in prayer this morning. Thank you, uh, Dr. Sven. Thank you very much, Lyle. Yeah, it's it's a real privilege to be able to be here uh, praying. And yeah, we just want to pause and open up our hearts to, to God. So no matter where, where you might be, I'd like to invite you to, um, to join me in prayer. So maybe you're driving to work uh, and you don't need to close your eyes. Uh, we don't want any uh, fatalities or, or crashes on the road. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're walking uh, or just at home and you can uh, close your heads and, and bow, bow your heads and close your eyes. But I just want to invite you to join me in prayer. Father in heaven, we just come to you as the, the God of the universe. And we, we acknowledge that you are the person that created this amazing place in the, in the beginning. Uh, but Lord, we, we recognize that for whatever reason, uh, this world is, is suffering. And particularly here in Australia, we're facing bushfires. We're facing fireys who are having to be out there uh, just working their, their guts out. Uh, just to save lives and homes and, and properties. And as you said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And we want to humble ourselves. We want to pray for the farmers who may be facing depression and, and anxiety and just, it seems like spiritual, social, uh, psychological darkness. We also do want to pray for the towns that are so close to um, needing uh, water and Father, we just want to just pray to you humbly, Lord, send rain upon this land. Um, just, just pour out uh, your beautiful gift of rain and give us a real sense of peace as we head towards Christmas. Lord, protect our homes, protect our families. We want to dedicate our lives and our country to you. Uh, send us rain, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to move on with Sons of Korah. This is from Psalm sixty-three, which is. The Desert Prayer.
Sons of Korah with Psalm 63 and the Desert Prayer here on Faith FM. Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Okay. What am I? The wages of sin. Oh. Lawson. 
<laughs> what did you just do? Because <laughs> I know what the answer to this quiz is. I, I think you uh, just gave away you the mis- answer. You, might, you, the you may have misread the. You may have misread the clue. <laughs> ah, this is the best. Was You're catching up to me. Yeah, the answer to the quiz was sin, and I just fully. I was gonna. Because it said the the wages of this is death, and I was about to say the wages of sin is death. (laughs) (laughs) This is that's a blooper moment on radio. Okay, Lawson, is this your second time or your third time? Uh, Lawson is going very red here. Second time, time. okay, second time. time. He's catching up to me. So Monica, (laughs) I've never seen Lawson go so red in my life before. Monica did this once, once, and when she did it, I was in the United States. And I was listening to the show online, and I called her up to gloat <laughs> uh, because I've done now, it like sin, three uh, times, gloating, maybe, maybe four times. <laughs> is this gloating a sin? Gloating Love? is not, when 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 Lawson messes up. Gloating is not a sin. Gloating is not a sin. <laughs> gloating, wow. is, gloating is a sin. It's, it's a rare occurrence. Except, it's a rare occurrence. Except there is an exception here. <laughs> He's so good that when you when it does happen, you have to gloat. Is that? <laughs> It's a requirement. <laughs> requirement. Fantastic. I think there's a verse in uh, what is it? What is it? Lawson's favorite chapter of the Bible. You know, second or, second opinions chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chapter three. Oh, oh. dear. Anyway, um, okay. So the quiz has been answered. We will move on to the next one. <laughs> it's all your own fault because you've had lots of opportunities to come up with the answer and give us a call on one eight hundred three four eight four three. So Lawson, pull out a new card there and okay. uh, give us another clue. What I'm going to give a couple clues here. Okay. All right. What am I? I was used by Obadiah as a place to hide prophets. Okay, we got that one. Now you can give the next clue. Okay, Lyle already knows it, so no double prizes up for grabs. What am I? Abraham bought one of these from Ephron for 400 shekels of silver. That's a pretty expensive thing. Thing, yeah. Pretty expensive sin. Sounds like real estate. It was it was on the it was on the tip of my tongue and I'm like, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> Two in a row. That would be re- Lawson's turn to gloat. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Uh all right. We'll have, have a think about that. Have a think about that. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Uh prize is available. Text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine one eight hundred Faith FM. Okay, super Super important announcement I need to make. I've been making this for the last couple of days, and we're going to continue making it up until Christmas. Um, and that is we are preparing a submission to go to the Australian government in relationship to the Religious Freedom Bill. Uh, this is being prepared by our Religious Liberty Department. And uh, as a result of that, we need examples, real-life examples of religious discrimination so that we can consider those, make them a part of the submission, you know, all of the uh, what-ifs, you know, what if this happens, what if that happens means that uh, we can make provisions for all kinds of uh, different situations that may arise. And the more of those that they can incorporate into the bill, uh, the better the bill becomes. Sounds good to me. Yes. But of course, Lyle, the, the, um, the bill is not saying that we can discriminate, discriminate against people who are not religious. Oh, absolutely. It's, no, no, we're no. giving uh, freedom uh, to, to people, but we also say that in terms of for uh, people who have a religious faith, there should be freedom there as well. Yeah, basically what we are looking for is a shield from discrimination. 
Correct. Religious people are looking for a shield from discrimination. Um, and, you know, uh, Michael Worker talked about this the other day when he was on here, how that the language of the bill leans more towards a sword rather than a shield, um, which allows Christians to discriminate based on their faith, whereas really, you know, but anyway, whatever it is, it, it is what is going to the Australian Parliament and they are asking for submissions. Which and it is, will be a good thing. Yes, Always good when the Australian government uh, brings forward a bill, tables it, and asks for submissions from the public. Mm, that's good. That's good government mm. right there. It enables us to all have our say. This is your opportunity to have your say. So if you have been discriminated against on the basis of religion, one eight hundred three two four eight four three, 324843 or text us on 0491-064-669. All right. Bible study for today. This one is a heavy one. Let's go to Ezra chapter 10. Ezra chapter 10, and we're going to be talking about a situation. Another one of these passages where when you read the passage and don't consider the unwritten context, you could make some pretty strong accusations that God is contradicting himself. Mm-hmm. When you compare it with other passages of the Bible, you can make some um, claims that God is working in a way that is incredibly hateful and unloving. So we need to we need to read this passage and we need to consider: is this actually the case or not? You know, these are the these are the kind of uh, uh, passages that people like you know Dawkins and so forth love to get their hands on and just say, look, this is what the Bible teaches. I can't believe that you guys claim that this is a God of love. And so we need to find out what's going on here. We have been talking over the last few days about the in- issue of intermarriage, interfaith marriages, and how bad of an idea interfaith marriages are, uh, particularly in an environment where you've got uh, Jewish people who are a follower of God, a follower of Yahweh, mm. who are marrying um, idolatrous women, or you know m- maybe it's men or women, whichever way around it goes, but they are intermarrying with you know, idolatrous people whose idolatrous practices involve crimes against humanity. Mm. Let me just put it that way. They're not just you know some bland kind of religion that says nice things and has a great philosophy. No, they're not that kind of religion. These are actually religions that require crimes against humanity. And what do you do in that kind of a situation? Well, if it was in our situation here in Australia, because crimes against humanity have been committed, then those people would actually be locked away by the police force. And so we've seen Nehemiah... He is the police force at the time, and he's gone in there and used some pretty significant force. Now we're going to go to Ezra. So let's go to Ezra chapter 10. Ezra chapter 10. And Lawson, I think we're going to start in verse 15. You got verse 15 there for us, please? Yep. Uh, Ezra chapter 10, verse 15. The Bible says, Only Jonathan, son of Asahel, um, and Jehaziah, son of Tikva, opposed this course of action, and they were supported by Meshalem and Sabbathai, the Levite. So this was the plan they followed. Ezra selected leaders to represent their families, designated, uh, designating each representatives by each of the representatives by name. On December 29th, the leaders sat down to investigate the matter. By March 27th, 
the first day of the new year, they had they had finished dealing with all the men who had married pagan wives. Okay, and then the Bible goes on with uh, quite a long list here of you know typical Ezra style. He, he's, he's a great recorder and he's recording everything that is happening. Uh, a long list of all of the people who have um, had to deal with this particular problem. And basically what they do is the Gentile wives are sent away. Mm. 111 divorces take place. That's a huge amount of divorces. <laughs> that is. Now you think about the turmoil that that is going to create in the nation of Israel at that particular time, or in the nation of Judah, I should say, at that particular time, think about, you know, exactly the heartache. You what can about see, the kids? If you go down to, uh, down to verse 44, all these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. Mm. Mm. And because divorce hits kids the, the hardest. This is brutal. Mm. Okay, so we've really got some... Serious questions we need to ask in relationship to this passage. Um, you know, what is God doing here? Why does God break up families? I thought God, you know, we all thought God was the opposite of that, uh, that God is all about keeping families together. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so there's a number of different issues that we need to look at in relationship to what is happening here. Um, okay, so let's just give it a little bit of context. The wives that are being sent away are Gentile wives um, that the Jewish um, men have married. There is 111 basic divorces that take place. I can imagine that as this is happening, and you know, you, you you notice that it doesn't sort of happen overnight. They sit down, they think about it carefully, and then they come to a conclusion, and they make their decision, and then their decision is final. But you can imagine those women and children leaving the city of Jerusalem, leaving the nation of Judah, going back to their Gentile pagan families, there's going to be so much heartache. There's going to be so much weeping. There's broken families here. This is really horrific stuff. Mm. Mm. Why does God do this? And what does it justify? So we could look at this story and from on the basis of this story, we could justify, well, if you've made a mistake and, and you marry a non-believer and then 10 years down the track, uh, you decide that, you know, I don't want to be with this person anymore, then, well, I'm justified in having a divorce because they're a non-believer. Is that what the Bible is saying right here? Can I just, you know, am I, if, if, I'm, if I'm insecure about whether I can keep a marriage together or not, should I just marry a non-believer so I can have a divorce in the future if I want to? Oof. <laughs> Don't think that's. <laughs> I'm just asking some questions here. All right, guys. All right, guys. Help me out with this one. What mm. is it that is going on? Is God just is God just stepping on it? Is God being racist here? Mm. And he's saying, well, you know, you can't. You know, it's immoral to have an, intermar- an, an, an international marriage to marry somebody from another nationality. Uh, is that morally wrong? Well, we talked about this yesterday. It's not morally wrong. There are many examples in the Bible of 
um, international interracial marriages that God blessed mm. and that God created. Um, so that's not morally wrong. So, so what on earth is going on here? And why is God tearing families apart? Why is God creating so much heartache? I think it's partly to, we need to understand what was God's purpose for the people of Israel and that they had a special mission for the whole world as well. So, and it comes back to our, uh, the miracle of Christmas too. So they had a, they had a special purpose, a special mission. And, and part of that mission was to maintain uh, God's inspired uh, revelation, his inspired word, uh, but was also to maintain a, a spiritual uh, purity and a commitment which was above and beyond the, the pagan idolatrous nations around them. And, and so in many ways, God was thinking, I'm doing this for the sake of the whole world. Uh, right. So there's a big picture. Yes. yes. Mm. Okay. So, and, and, and all right, let me, just, let me just comment on that big picture for a moment, because if we go back through the history of Judah and Israel, yeah. The preservation of God's word and the message of and, and the knowledge of God has hung by a very small thread on occasions. Um, so, you know, probably one of the big ones that comes to mind is that when f- you've got a situation where, for like decades, the single copy of the Bible in existence was lost. Mm. You know, in the entire planet, there is just one copy of the Scriptures, and they've lost it. I mean, just wrap your head around that for a moment. And then they find it. I mean, what an incredible treasure to find. Mm. And so you've got, okay, so you've got the knowledge of God over time becomes restricted to the nation of Israel, which then splits, and you've got the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, and Israel rejects the gospel. Mm. And so now you've got a micro-nation, the micro-nation of Judah. That's the only place that the knowledge of, that's God's, toehold in the earth and then that micronation is constantly going into paganism mm. and going so far into paganism that on occasions they are um, losing their one and only copy that there is of the word of God and then they go into paganism for so long and so persistently you know four bad kings in a row and they end up in Babylonian captivity and when they end up in Babylonian captivity you've got uh, uh, Ezekiel and you've got Jeremiah which a couple of old guys well they're not going to last too much longer and you've got four teenagers, Daniel and his friends. And that's pretty much it. You know, and you can sort of see Satan sitting back and saying, I'm on the verge of having the entire world following me. Mm. And he is, you know, God's toehold is now almost invisible. On this planet, you know, Satan went to heaven back in the day, and God's like, "Oh, where'd you come from?" He's like, "I came from Earth. You know, I'm, a, I'm a representative of planet Earth." And God's like, "Oh, really? You think you're a representative of planet Earth? Do you represent Job?" And we have that whole story that comes about as a result of that. Satan here, he's on the verge of going back to heaven, and if God asks him that question, he's like, "Yep, actually, you know what? I am the representative of every single person on the planet." Hmm. You know, he's on the verge of that. And so this is where the knowledge of God has come to. And it has happened because of intermarriage with pagan women. I like to kind of use the analogy of um, having a, a stock of like anti-venom 
uh, or maybe some antibiotics or something like that. And that you know that, or a vaccination, shall I say, that you know that you've got this medicine uh, that is needed to, to save the world. But if that medicine becomes somehow corrupted and, um, uh, you know, unusable, whatever, then, then you would do whatever you could to, to save the, the purity of that, of that medicine. And I see the same thing happening here as well. That God is saying, I have, I have such a special purpose for this group of people uh, that, that I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to maintain uh, the purity because there's other people that need to be, to be saved as well. That, mm. That's the kind of picture that I'm getting here. Mm. So if they go down exactly the same path that their ancestors had done before the Babylonian captivity, then that medicine is going to, you know, and, and you can almost look at it like, you know, there's, there's, say, there's, you know, several hundred thousand vials of this medicine. Yes. And on occasions it gets down to, you know, the corruption goes through it. And on occasion it gets down to, you one know, one two. or two vials left. Yes. You're going to protect those. Mm. And now With you've got, now you've just built up a little bit of a stock again and the corruption breaks out in it again. You're going to yes. get those corrupt ones and you're going to toss them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna incinerate them because of the danger of losing your stock. That's right. And the other thing is, Lyle Lawson, is that you know, these, these people here, these, uh, these Gentile wives, were people with choice as well. Mm. They, they were not just robots just doing their thing kind of thing. So, so they were there in the midst of this Jewish community, this, this um, group of people with a mission, and they had the choice, do we want to be part of that mission or do we, do we not? And the, the challenge we see here is that they were making the choice, we don't want to really be part of this uh, mm. mission. We don't want to be part of this community. We'll stay with our old practices, our old idolatries, all of those kind of things. Uh, because that's what we want to do. Mm. And let, let it be said as well, like as we've been reading through Nehemiah, um, it wasn't, you know, like Nehemiah very clearly wasn't against others being a part of the nation. As you see, like he's inviting all the people around, hey, come help us build the wall. Like he's inviting those to around him to be a part of the mission. But yeah, like you said, you know, as these people like, but then there's the case of like, if anyone who doesn't want to be a part of it, well, they don't have to be here. I think this is a really interesting point because Judaism is not just a nationality. Mm. It's also a religion. Mm. And as a religion, it's something that you can join. You know, mm. Any one of us here can go and become a proselyte Jew. And that has always been the case. Mm. You can join that religion. You can become Jewish without a shred of Jewish DNA in you. I think you know, DNA is so mixed these days, I'm sure everybody's got a little bit somewhere. And in, but, in the Bible, in the New Testament, they would be called God-fearers. Yes. Uh, pe- people that were following the, the Jewish way Yes. Um, and, and being part of the mission, but, um, but not necessarily Jewish descent. Absolutely. Um, so these would be God-fearers, and you've got some great examples like that. You know, you've got the Ethiopian eunuch, for instance, who goes to the Lydia. temple to worship. You've got Lydia. Yeah, some great examples of that uh, throughout the Bible. Um, Uriah the Hittite, another one right there. Cornelius. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to come back and talk more about it. This is uh, Josh Wilson. What a mystery. There was 
was a garden, there was a man. He was so lonely, but God had a plan. Josh Wilson with What a Mystery. You listen to Faith FM. Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Okay. Lot and... Oh, this is a terrible clue. Lot and his two daughters called this home after leaving Sodom. That is very much an understatement of the situation that uh, happened with Lot. It is. It is. One of those stories in the because a lot happened. Um, let's let's give one more clue. Uh, let's let's like let's be real generous here. Okay, what am I? Saul used this as a bathroom, unaware that David and his men were close by. What is this? If you know the answer, one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Give us a call right now. Prize coming your way, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine with the answer, and uh, you will be receiving a prize. Uh, Sven and Lawson, we were talking about this mass divorce that takes place. Mm-hmm. We started to talk about the fact that Judaism is both a religion and a nationality, and that as a religion, it is something that you can join. 
The Bible describes the women who were sent away as being strange women, in other words, strangers to the nation of Judah. In other words, these were women who had married Jewish men but had not converted. And I think this is a point that we often overlook um, because the Bible doesn't talk about what happened to the proselytes. The Bible talks about what happened to the strange women because the proselytes, and the, and the reality is that if you become a proselyte, when you become a Jew by conversion, you're not, a, you're not going to be mentioned. Mm. The Bible isn't going to talk about you because you're a Jew. Yes. Let me give you an example, uh, kind of going back to my my dad's kind of roots, and that is in in Scandinavia. Um, the Scandinavian countries, uh, Sweden and Norway and Denmark and places like that, have been very very open to um, to taking in uh, refugees from from other countries, um, in particular Northern African um, nationalities, uh, refugees from there. Um, as well as the Middle East as as well, and and that's a it's a very uh, humanitarian, it's a very egalitarian, it's it's a very um, you know noble thing to do. The the one of the challenges though is this: is that when somebody comes to live in Sweden, for example, uh, well, do they choose? to live by the, the moral and the legal principles of, of Sweden or not. Now, we're, we're not asking, we're not saying, okay, well, these refugees need to become blue-eyed blonde Swedes. No, uh, they, not They at don't all. have to uh, do, you know, um, midsummer kind of festivals and all of that kind of thing. There's, there's a whole cultural thing, which it doesn't matter if you're blue-eyed Swedish or you're Moroccan. Uh, you live in Sweden. It's, that's that's fine. The the deeper question, though, is if you choose to move to to Sweden, but then say I am am not going to live by the morals and the 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 laws of that that land, and there you have the problem. There you have a problem, and and you see that, um, and it, in in some ways it doesn't matter whether you're you know you're from a you know Middle Eastern background. Um, or you could even be a, a Norwegian, but if you live a life of a of a terrorist, for example, then that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so maybe maybe that's kind of giving us a picture of what these people were doing here. Now I'm not saying that these wives were terrorists by any stretch, but the question was, were they they had moved into Israel, but had they chosen to say, okay, well we will uh, live by the spiritual principles of this community we will we will identify ourselves with with this community and what you're saying uh lyle is that they had personally chosen not to they they'd been like um marriage refugees if we could put it that way they'd moved into this society and they'd said uh we love being here but we'll not live according to the plan god has for this community and that that's a big problem Mm. and if they had made that transition, they would not be referred to as strange women. That's right. Ah, fully. You know, they would be just, they're just Jewish women. That's right. In in my translation, it specifically calls them pagan. Mm -hmm. It's like, and that is a religious term. Not a racial term, not a cultural term. That is a religious term. But, right. but, but what's them- wrong with being pagan? So let me let me play that. Yeah, okay. okay. That's, a, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that now because you know I've got a number of friends who are pagan. Yeah, and they're wonderful people. 
I mean, they, they live pag- paganism is a growing religion. It is. Here in Australia, America, England. So what's and, wrong with it? And generally speaking, they lo- live by good principles. You know, they're Just like atheists. Just like atheists. Absolutely. So, you know, they don't believe in, you know, killing or lying or stealing, you know, a, a lot of these things that we have in common with them. Here's the difference. Paganism as it was practiced in those days involved crimes against humanity. Mm. And what things were they? That, things that in our day we would and do lock people up for because it's considered to be criminal activity and particularly criminal activity in relationship to child sure. abuse. Indeed. Um, so this involved pedophilia, this involved child sacrifice, um, this involved... Yeah, there were some really horrific things that pagan religions were involved in, in, in those days. And so if you've got a relationship where you are married to somebody um, and even when there are children involved... For the sake of your children, and, and I say this over and over and over again here on Faith FM, if you are in a relationship where you or the children are being abused, you have a moral responsibility to get out of that relationship. And for these pagans at this particular time, it was a it was a a moral requirement to be immoral. Mm. If that makes sense, yeah. their religion required them to do terrible, terrible things particularly involving their children. There were lots of other things that we would say were terrible as well, but particularly in relationship to children. So, so these men uh, were directed, required by Ezra and Nehemiah for the sake of their own spiritual purity and for the protection of their kids and for the future, spiritual future for the whole world to say we'll put an end to our connection with these pagan, immoral activities. And if that, res- if that requires divorcing our pagan wives and sending them away, we've got to do it. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And I would it's say... starting to make sense. The, 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 uh, I, would, I would say exactly the same thing to somebody today uh, because I do not believe it violates the uh, First, Corinthian prince, First Corinthians principle if you are married to somebody who is a non-believer in your faith and their faith involves abuse then you do need to get out of that relationship. Mm. You know, if their faith means that you are being beaten, abused, or your children are being abused in some way, then, yeah, absolutely, you don't stay in that kind of relationship. You know, going to the New Testament principle, uh, Jesus talks about unfaithfulness in marriage, and that's being, that's a reason for divorce. And look, there's there's a whole lot of gray areas, but I would say unfaithfulness in marriage is not only um, affairs and um, you know, um, adultery and all of those kind of things. You can be unfaithful to to your wife if you're being being abusive to her, mm. or, or vice versa. You know. Now, the reason this conversation is important because Paul has a passage in. Uh, oh, I don't really have time to talk about it. But Paul has a passage in which he says, you know, if you're married to somebody who's a pagan, and you know, you're both happy to stay together, stay together. But first century context is very, very different kind of paganism, a very different kind of circumstances to what they had, um, you know, going back to the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And paganism had evolved up until, you know, to a certain extent, so that it was a situation where you could stay in that relationship. Station love is kind. It has no arrogance or pride. 
seeks the good of others first. It keeps no record of wrong or hurt. It finds no joy in wickedness, but rejoices in the I'm Julia from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us and we'd love to see you there. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. 
If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
That was Bebo Norman. Bebo, yeah, Bebo Norman with Come and Worship. Christ the Newborn King. Great song to be singing at this time of year. Lawson, what have you got for our clue for our quiz there? Lazarus used one of these as a tomb before being raised from the dead by Jesus. What did Lazarus use as a tomb? Just call 1-800-324-843. You'll win a prize completely or, for free. Or text, text us. 0491-064-669. Great. Okay, so question of the day time. We, we've actually spent a little bit of time off air during the song discussing this one backwards and forwards. Mm. Doing some research. Super thankful to have uh, Dr. Sven Erstring in the room, somebody who does know a little bit more about uh, Greek and Hebrew than I do. Um, Lawson, give us our question for the day. Okay, here we go. Question of the day is, why is the first divine person in the Trinity known as the Father? Is this a title or a name? And is it an accurate translation or transliteration in English? Is it used in the Hebrew or Greek language to describe his nature or identity? Okay, so really interesting question right there. A couple of observations that I would make, um, and that is the names and titles of the Godhead, while each one of them has a primary name that we associate with that member of the Godhead, they are universally you know, adaptable across the members of the Godhead. So Jesus can be referred to as the Father in the Bible and is referred to as the Father in the Bible, even though he is the Son um, and so forth. Now, of course, there are some names and titles that Jesus has that do not apply to the other members of the Godhead because of his humanity. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Yahweh, Jehovah, these names are names that all of the members of the Godhead oh, share. Um, you've got some great examples of that in the Bible, you know, where uh, Yahweh in heaven rains fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from, sorry, Yahweh on earth rains down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from Yahweh in heaven. You know, one's the Father, one's the Son. But we do use the name the Father, and the Bible uses that as the primary means of identifying uh, God the Father in the Godhead um, and, um, yeah, identifying him. So the question is, is this a name or is it a title? And the answer is that this is a title. And so in exactly the same way as each one of us has a father, and we probably call him Dad. That is not his name. I've not come across anyone yet whose name is Dad. Well, I've got a really good mate who pastors a church who's Dada, which is kind of close. <laughs> Added an A to the end of it. Well, I think that's a, a nickname anyway. But um, So we need to go back to the Hebrew and the Greek and to find out what these words are. So uh, in Greek, this one will be one that is familiar to you. Pater, from which we... Paternal. So your paternal relatives are your relatives on your father's side. So pater, that is, once again, that is a title, not a name. If you're looking for a name, we don't know the name of God, um, but it's going to be fairly close to Yahweh, which is uh, uh, the Greek version being Jehovah, somewhere, something along those lines. Uh, but the title is definitely father or pater in Greek, from which we have paternal. Then in Hebrew, the name for father is Ab or Av. Now, this is interesting. Uh, Ab is a name that assumes that this is a male person who has children. And so, yes, that's a, the title for a father. In the New Testament, Paul uses the word Abba. 
And a lot of people are sort of questioning, you know, what is the case here? Now, in, in modern um, Hebrew, uh, Yiddish and so forth, the word Abba is the equivalent of daddy or papa. And so it's seen as the um, the informal, intimate term. And so there is a formal way of referring to your father, that is your father. There is an informal way where you'd say dad. And so Paul is outlining just how close a relationship we can have with God, that we can have an intimate relationship where we talk to God as being dad. Um, so that's a, an interesting uh, um, adaptation of the word ab or av for father in uh, the Old Testament coming across to the New Testament. I think what's important is that in both of the in both the Greek and the Hebrew, God is outlining the kind of relationship that He wants to have with us, that He wants it to be a close, personal, intimate relationship where He cares for us as a father.
Welcome back, guys. That was Bethany Dillon with How Deep the Father's Love for Us. So many interesting things that came out of that question. We've been having the most interesting conversations off air. Pity we couldn't share it all with you. Anyway, it's come to that part of the day where we are going to give a prize away. We have been talking today about what God is like and why you know God does some apparently strange things in the Bible, like this mass divorce. If you want to know... Uh, the answer to some of these questions and some of these accusations that people bring up against God and what God is like. Lawson has a book to share with you. What have you got there, Lawson? Yes, I do. I've got a book called What God is Like uh, by uh, Barry Harker. This is a really fantastic book. Dr. Barry Harker, I should say. This is a really awesome, really fantastic book about that very thing, the character of God, um, who he is, what he does, his, how he deals with, I guess, the problems uh, that we have on this earth, the world of sin that we live in and how that reflects, you know, what kind of person and being God actually is. So if you have a desire um, to know what God is like, to know who God really is, is in in an intimate and in an ultimate sense um yeah give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you'll win this book completely for free okay you got the number there 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491 i'll get there don't forget to talk faith live faith act faith and you will grow strong in When I was a little boy on my mama's lap, I heard all the stories just before I took my nap. But the story that I liked the best was the one about a star. Wise men saw it from the west. It was gonna lead them far An angel came and told them To follow all the way Find that little baby Wherever he may lay The story This old world is closing in and I don't 
story that seemed old grows more real every day. Will I look to Jesus or just turn and walk away? Friend, the time will come for you to follow that star. And you'll decide just what to do and what kind of man you are. Cause the angel still tells men today how and what to do. Wise men follow all the way, the rest are known as fools. Just at the Christmas time of year Wise men still seek him Wise men seek him And he fills their heart with a special kind of cheer Just at the Christmas time of year Wise men still seek him And he fills their heart with a special kind